The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We are going to talk about the fight between Wisconsin and Michigan. Who's to blame? We'll go through the nominees. We'll talk about other key moments from the fight. Suck it sign. I loved it so much. Uh, We'll talk about that. Uh, We're also going to talk about Giannis. And will anyone compete with him when it comes to being the greatest of his generation? What does it take for Giannis to be a top 10 player of all time? A few other little things from the All-Star game with Antetokounmpo. Lastly, we'll talk about Marquette and their free fall and why it's not like last year, why it's not like the Wojo years. It's a little bit different, why I feel like they're going to bounce back. We'll also run through some golden kegs. And the return of Chuck's Corner. Yes, we're bringing it back. We'll explain what that is late in the show um, for all of you because... We need a little break from sports or we just need kind of random discussion topics here and there. Uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that later. Uh, you guys know where to find us on social media. And if you're not following us on social media, what are you doing? Uh, tabbing the Keg Sports on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. Tabbing the Keg on Twitter. Um, if you're new to the program, welcome. If you're not, and if you are, please subscribe. <laughs> That's the thing. Please subscribe, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you are a subscriber, please leave us a review or a rating. Really appreciate it, um, as always. And I appreciate the support as we continue on in this journey of sports. Let's talk, though, about Juwan Howard and Greg Gard and the fight in Madison. It was a Big Ten brawl, something that was unexpected. I didn't expect that my show today, I'd be leading off talking about Juwan Howard versus Greg Gard. I didn't even know that the fight was happening, truth be told. I was waiting for the Marquette game to start. I was watching Providence and Butler. I was on my phone, and they had said, oh, there's a fight between Greg Gard, basically Michigan and Wisconsin. They didn't say who it was. I flipped back, and sure enough, they were replaying it. CBS, credit to them, did a great job of keeping it on instead of flipping to the golf and then basically did a breakdown of the fight itself. And everybody went to their perspective corners and some people are defending Juwan Howard today. Some people are are defending Greg Gard. It will probably make a national story because Juwan Howard is probably one of the more notable college coaches right now going in in college basketball and Juwan Howard has a lot of respect in the media so you would imagine that they're going to be on Howard's side or there's going to be more support for Howard than maybe say Chris Beard right if Chris Beard got into it and slapped a coach would Chris Beard have the same support as Juwan Howard I don't know um I'm trying to think of another example. If Kim English, who was of George Mason, random pull, I don't know why I was thinking of George Mason. Kim English did something like this. Would that would that have the same gravitational pull as Juwan Howard? No. And I think that there it's going to be a really interesting discourse all all day because people are going to blame Guard, people are going to blame Howard, and people are going to have wild takes. They've already had wild takes. I mean, everybody's been all over the place. Some people are like, well, this is nothing, you know, and it's like comparing it to Bobby Knight. And I'm like, guys, this is Bobby Knight would have got canceled immediately. Like Bobby Knight would not have survived in today's world. There is just no way, no how, absolutely fucking not. Bobby Knight is not a good example. There is not a coach that is a hothead at this level that we've seen in a long time. And Juwan Howard clearly has some anger issues. 
Now, if we go Zapruder film and we break down the fight and we start blaming people, the big nominees are obviously Howard. Greg Gard deserves some blame. And Joe Krabenhoff is the other one that is in the blame game category. So it's not five. I wish I had five. Make it more like the Oscars or the Golden Globes. But those, those really are the three where it comes to who is to blame. So if you kind of go to Zapruder film on this and you kind of look into how this all started, Juwan Howard was going to do the blow-by. Juwan Howard was going to do the absolute blow-by, not engage with Greg Gard, say whatever, good game, and not probably shake his hand. We've seen the blow-by move happen a lot in college sports, in the NFL. It, you know, it's It happens. It's what you do when you're like, hey, fuck you. That's basically what the blow-by is. I, you, you can master... I've never been able to do the blow-by, but I would love to. I think that would be great. I personally... If I'm going to do a blow-by, I'm going to throw a shoulder just because that's kind of the person I am. But that was what Juwan Howard was trying to do. Greg Gard grabs him, wants to talk to him about it. Juwan Howard does not like that. Then it starts this whole thing, and it blows up into a much bigger thing, which included Howard slapping Joe Krabinoff. So I could see where some people would want to blame Greg Gard for that and say, well, Greg Gard should have, you know, why Why did Greg Gard touch him? Why did Greg Gard feel the need to engage? Greg Gard, being a Midwestern dude, probably wanted to settle things and wanted to probably bury the hatchet because if you watch some old, you know, interactions between the two coaches, it's been nothing but civil. It's actually been friendly. Um, Zach Halperin, who is one of the bigger Badger homers out there, but credit to Zach, he he had the video and showed basically that there is no real malice between these two coaches. There's no real quote unquote hate. I think hate's strong of a word, but they, there was no there were no issues. There was absolutely none. So it's hard for I think me to like say, well, it's Guard's fault for grabbing Juwan Howard. I think Guard knowing Juwan and saying and thinking that they're friends was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, come on, hey, just shake my hand. Like, let's just if you have a problem, like, let's talk it out. Now, Greg Guard probably should have read the room a little bit more and realized Juwan Howard was pissed. And forget that Juwan Howard is from the '90s basketball era, where how do we settle things with with fighting? Like, we it's it's always going to be a brawl. And Juwan open hand slapping Joe Krabenhoff was not the right move. Juwan Howard needed to disengage there. Juwan Howard sent a terrible message. So when we go to the blame game of Juwan Howard, yes, that that has to be factored in. All right? Like, I'm not trying to get him out pious here, right? I'm not trying to basically say something like, you know, how dare he and, you know, how classless this was. Stay Classy crew came came into play hot. You know I hate Stay Classy if you've ever listened to this podcast, which is why I have uh, some major beef with our, our good good friend Mitch Ross. But we'll, we'll do that later this week. You can't do that. You just can't. All right? Like, I, I don't care if you are the maddest person in the world. You are the fucking head coach of 18 to 23-year-olds. Set a fucking example. All you have to do there is walk away. And you can yell, you can bark, you can be upset, right? But you need to walk away in that scenario. You cannot open hand slap somebody. Now, he didn't punch somebody, he slapped somebody. I really do think that's a difference, right? Like, I I do think that matters. So some people would say, well, Krabenhoff should not have 
sort of put himself into the mix. Krabenhoff should have let it go. He should have let his coach and Howard figure this shit out. I think that's fair. I think Krabenhoff probably interjected himself. And Krabenhoff, being a guy that played for Greg Gard as an assistant, as a guy who is one of Greg Gard's guys, he wanted to basically, you know, come to Greg Gard's defense. But that said, like, again, like, you can't engage the way Juwan Howard did. I'm sorry. I know that I am not a big Badger fan, right? We talked, we've talked about it on this show many a times. It's why we don't do a lot of Badger coverage. I'm not going to just be a fraud here. And, but when I look at this, I can't help but assess that Juwan Howard deserves the most blame for this because he was the guy that threw the slap. If Juwan Howard did not do anything of the slapping ilk, if Juwan Howard and them were woofing and they were going back and forth and cooler heads prevailed and there's maybe a little bit of pushing, shoving, I think then I'd be more inclined to say, hey, Greg Gard should have let that go. Greg Gard should have let that go. He should have let the sleeping dog lie and not done a damn thing. And I would have been more on Greg Gard, I've been more on Juwan Howard's side, more sympathetic to Juwan Howard being upset about a loss, understanding that Michigan has a lot of work to do. That's that's the other thing that can't be discounted. Like Michigan's a bubble team, right? So every loss for Michigan right now stinks. It hurts a lot more than if Wisconsin were to lose this game. They're not anywhere close to the bubble. I mean, they were top 16, 16 team, uh, according to the NCAA, um, on Saturday. So there's no like worry for Wisconsin if they lose. Michigan, every game right now is like the playoffs. So, of course, emotions are running really high. And Michigan also was tied at halftime. And then they played an awful second half. And Wisconsin was able to pull away. Giant Davis also was really good in that second half. But regardless, like, there were reasons for Juwan Howard to be mad. And so if Howard had not done the slap, I would have said that, yeah, Greg Gard shouldn't have engaged there. Greg Gard should have acknowledged a blow-by, thought it was weird, and then just called Juwan the next day, two days later, or shoot him a text and say, what the fuck was that about, man? Like, I'm I'm sorry if we did something to offend you, but, like, I've always thought we were, you know, close and I, I don't want to do anything to hurt our friendship. That's all you would have to do. But because Juwan Howard decided to act like a fucking child and forget that he is a coach and a leader of men, and I know that sounds so like on Mount Pius, but trust me that that shit matters, all right? Like the, it just does. It wasn't like it was a player. It wasn't like Hunter Dickinson slapped a coach, which would be bad in its own right and wouldn't be good, but I think we'd have a little more of it's a 20-year-old, he's an immature kid, he didn't know better, he's going to get suspended, yes, but it wasn't the coach. You are the coach of the fucking team. It, it's a loser move, man. It just is. And I and look, I get that Juwan Howard's upset that he called the guard, he guard called timeout, you know, with up 14, last minute to go in the game. I get that frustration. And I also think Greg Gard should have just let his young guys figure it out. If Juwan Howard is pressing and things like that, I just let it go, man. Who cares? So I do assess a little more blame to Gard. But as for Howard to get all upset about it, there are just bigger things in life. And I think it comes back to that tournament bubble thing, right? I think, 
I think if they weren't on the bubble, if like let's say Michigan was comfortably a seven or an eight seed right now, does Juwan Howard care? I don't think so. I don't think none of any of this happens. I think it was he was frustrated because he knows his team is teetering on an NCAA tournament bid. Other fun things from this fight. First of all, the Michigan players came out swinging. Jesus Christ, those guys were ready to throw down. They were wildly swinging too. It wasn't it wasn't like coordinated. It was just like clear out punches left and right. Uh, so that was impressive to say the least. I think if you had to put Michigan versus Wisconsin and the octagon players, just players, I think I would probably go Michigan, but I'm not sure. I don't know. There are guys like, I don't know. Brad Davidson was nowhere to be involved in that fight. Brad Davidson, for as much shit as he talks, as much sort of little chippy shit he gets involved in, not being that fight, tough look. Tough look for Mr. Brad Davidson. Uh, the socket signed by the strength coach was incredible. First of all, so on brand that it was the strength coach giving the socket sign. Uh, that just makes all the sense in the world. The socket sign needs to be brought back. We just need to bring back socket when we're mad at somebody or when we want to sort of end a fight and just do a little crotch chop. And the thing is, is I used to be a big fan of the across the arm socket. That used to be my thing. I used to go across and be like, suck it. And I didn't always like the crotch chop. But as someone who loved a Generation X as a kid, I could not have been more thrilled to see a suck it in the wild in 2022. Now, as somebody who always wanted a D-Generation X jersey and never got it because his mom wouldn't buy it for him for some reason, I guess because there was 69 on the jersey or something, I I just need more suckets in my life. I just need more when things are going wrong, just a little crotch chop. If you were to handicap the top Wisconsin athlete to do a sucket sign, how do you do it? So we got Rogers, we have Yelich, we have Giannis. I could see all of them doing the all of them doing it. Like I easily could see each one of them doing it in their own right. I'd probably put Rogers minus one sixty. Could see him instead of doing the belt, just a little crotch shot. Definitely, on, I think on the books. I could see Giannis then next. I put Giannis probably plus one eighty, and then Yelich plus two fifty. So like not bad odds for any of them. I think all of them could do it. And maybe we just need to, maybe that's just a universal sign for the state of Wisconsin. Like if you're not down with Wisconsin, I have two words for you. Soak it. That's what it says on the back. I mean, I think I'd get in trouble with WWE copyright infringement, but I mean, that's a great shirt. That's a million dollar shirt right there. If you're not down with Wisconsin, I got two words for you. Soak it. Like if I were a Wisconsin Badger shirt maker, I would be making that shirt tomorrow. That shirt would be in the student section, which, by the way, speaking of the student section in Wisconsin, I did like the NIT chants for them, but the Area Red is literally one of the worst student section names of all time. A- absolutely awful. Just, I have no idea how anyone came up with Area Red as their student section name. It's like, what, like, what are we doing there? Um, but that's another tangent for another day. So yes, more suck it signs, please. Bring them back. It's great. I'm glad D-Generation X had a moment uh, this afternoon. Moving on to the NBA. Giannis made the all 75 list, which is incredible. 
my question and my ponderance after these all 75, which I loved, was what takes Giannis to be a top 10 player ever? And then the other question, will there anybody be sort of in the in the stratosphere of Giannis in his age group? So let's start with the first one. Um, and before we even get started there, I, I mean, the 75th stuff was great. I thought it was awesome. If you didn't like that all-star game, you have a, or not the all-star game, sorry, the, the halftime show, you have a big dump in your pants, okay? You don't appreciate the history of the NBA. You don't appreciate, you know, seeing some of those guys and saying, oh, you have flashbacks of them, you know, seeing Kevin Garnett, seeing Michael Jordan, seeing Reggie Miller, seeing uh, Patrick Ewing, like all those guys, Hakeem, they, they, they bring back memories. So if you didn't like that, you suck. But as for Antetokounmpo and being honored, it makes sense. I think Giannis would have been there even if he didn't win the championship last year. The championship helped solidify it. He's a two-time MVP. He's you know six-time All-Star. I mean, he he definitely deserved to be there even without the the championship. But the championship is the cherry on top. So the question now becomes, how, what could make Giannis a top ten player of all time? I think it really comes down to championships and MVPs, honestly. It comes down to, can the Bucks win multiple championships? And if they do, can Giannis also win some MVPs in that, as, in that to the mix as well? I'm not saying that Giannis has to go 5-0 and in championship, you know, win finals. Like, that's he's probably going to lose one. It will break our hearts. But he needs definitely more than one. I mean, you're not going to be a top 10 player with one NBA title. You're going to need multiple NBA titles to, you know, break through and be considered with guys like Bird, Magic, Michael, Bill Russell. Like, that's what it takes. Kareem. Like, Giannis needs multiple championships. That's the first step. I think the second step is continuing to be an elite scorer. I don't think Giannis can probably catch... LeBron, who's going to take over Kareem's record and scoring, I think, next year. I don't think it's happening this year. But LeBron will have the record. LeBron will also build on that record. I think it's going to be a really hard record to beat. And I don't think Giannis will get there. But Giannis will get very close. And LeBron should also got mentioned in that top 10 because he deserves it as well. So, yes, the top 10 player is a real thing for Giannis. I think... He can work to that. He can build that. I think Giannis is never going to sort of be content with where he is. And hopefully he does it all in Milwaukee. And he can basically be one of the more iconic athletes of all time in the state of Wisconsin. And be the guy that basically put the Milwaukee Bucks on the map. As for if there is a guy that could rival Giannis in his generational pool... It's really interesting in this because I lump we lump everybody together, right? We put Curry, we put Durant, we put Steph, all those guys, J- John Morant, Devin Booker, Embiid, they all get put together. We all put them together instead of breaking it apart and saying, all right, what generation are these guys a part of? If you look at like the quote unquote euphoria generation, aka Gen Z, that is like your Luca, your John Moran, Jason Tatum, Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons. That's kind of that group. 
I don't consider that group part of Giannis's stratosphere, Giannis's legacy. Like, I don't think those guys can they affect it? Could they beat Giannis in a playoff series or in the finals? Sure, but they still have more years than Giannis. Like, Giannis will likely retire before a lot of those guys finish up. So Giannis is going to, you know, be lumped in with these guys instead. Embiid, Jokic, Zach Levine, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, Rudy Gobert, Kawhi Leonard, Dame Lillard, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, James Harden, Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan. That's the group that really Giannis compares himself to. And so I wonder, is there going to be anybody that challenges Giannis for the belt? The easy answer is Embiid, right? That Embiid and Giannis are going to have massive playoff matchups, but who knows? It could be like what we talked about, I think on Friday's show, the Hakeem Olajuwon versus David Robinson thing. Remember, David Robinson could not get past Hakeem. They were, David was a little bit younger than Kareem, and he couldn't get past Kareem. Then once Tim Duncan came to town, once the Rockets got old, they were able to kind of zoom past them and get to the cha- their first championship. And then that kind of started the Spurs dynasty. It started the Spurs legacy from there. And it was David Robinson's final years as a pro. So you have that. So there's a good chance that Giannis and Embiid could basically be that version. That could be that Giannis just owns Embiid and Embiid's never able to get over the hump over Giannis. I would love that to be the case. I don't know if that's true. I, I do not have a crystal ball. Anthony Davis, I think, is just an injury-prone guy at this point. I don't know how you can look at this and say, it, first of all, I don't know how Anthony Davis made the 75 all-time team. That's egregious. That's terrible. He does not deserve to be there, in my opinion. But secondly, the guy's made of brittle. Like He is just ready to fall apart at any moment. I can't project him as a rival to Giannis and also Giannis has taken him to the cleaners time and time again so there is that issue um, for Davis and again where Giannis is maybe a one of one Kyrie take away all the vac stuff everything else has Kyrie really ever been the star of a team could Kyrie really go head to head with Giannis yes from a scoring perspective sure but I don't know if it's really going to be this Giannis versus Kyrie debate because Kyrie to me seems like a guy who A, is going to retire early and B, doesn't necessarily feel like a winner to me. He just doesn't. I realize what he did in 2016, but that was two, that was years ago. That's like unearthing old tweets. Shout out to Annie Agar who's dealing with that right now. Not a, not a good way to end your night. That is definitely Sunday scaries worthy for Miss Agar. And then some people probably was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Kawhi Leonard's in there. Now, Kawhi Leonard's an interesting one because we saw what Kawhi was able to do against Giannis a couple years ago in Toronto. No one kind of knows, I think, where Kawhi goes next. I would guess that Kawhi would not want to go out east, just given how good the east has become. It's a little bit of the NFC-AFC quarterback thing. Like if I was Kawhi Leonard, there is no way I'm going to be playing in the in the Eastern Conference again. And there's talks maybe he's not a Clipper, whatever. Like I would stay out west. Like whoever you're playing for, stay out fucking west and don't have to worry about Giannis and Bede. All Brooklyn has what the James Harden angle. Like there's a lot of star power in the East and not a ton in the West right now. So if I was Kawhi, I would stay out there. 
And we'll see what happens in, in that regard. And Bakwai Giannis could be a finals matchup multiple times, challenging each other. I don't feel like Kawhi is done. I feel like Kawhi could have the accolades. He will never have the scoring accolades as some of these other guys do, but he could have the winning time accolades that, in my opinion, matter so much more. And and I just really do think that that could be possible for Kawhi. That's on the table for Kawhi. They're another level for, for Kawhi Leonard. No question about it. Uh, Draymond Clay role players. I, I'm sorry. Like that's that's a little defense, but they're not the stars. So I don't think you can put it. I don't think you can put it on Giannis. Uh, put it with Giannis. James Harden has been an all-time loser in the playoffs. Until James Harden shows me he can do that, great. Jimmy Butler, Demar Derozan, uh, I, they're not going to get there. They're never going to be MVPs. The guys that I mentioned could not only be MVPs, but they could also make sure something happens in the playoffs that would affect and alter Giannis's trajectory. But I really look at it and I say Giannis is a one-of-one guy. And Giannis is a guy that it's going to be really hard to break through against his stratosphere. Embiid, oh, I didn't even talk about Jokic. I can't believe that. I didn't talk about Jokic. But same thing, though. I, I, don't, I look at Jokic. Jokic might be an all-time great regular season player, but I don't know if I can trust Jokic in the playoffs. Jokic hasn't got to a finals yet. Jokic, I think they've got out, they got out of the second, they haven't even got out of the second round. He's not been in a conference finals. Same with Embiid. So until either of those guys get to a conference finals, then we can have some real conversation. It looks like Philly's going to probably be, I would say if it was handicapped today, you'd expect either Philly or Milwaukee or Miami would probably be the three teams. Now, if DeRozan has this run with the Bulls, yeah, maybe we start talking a little bit about DeRozan. But again, he's not an MVP. He doesn't have the accolades that Giannis already has. And so it's very possible that Giannis is in a class of his own. And maybe there'll be a guy younger like a Curry did with with LeBron or Durant even a little bit with LeBron where he challenges them late. And it's sort of that old, young versus old thing. And that's sort of what we talk about. And people expect that to be Luka. I think right now the odds-on favorite for that is John Morant. So we'll see what happens. It's really in a good spot, the league. I think it's in a really good place. I think everybody's looking forward to the playoffs. I think the next two, the next two months are going to be awesome. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. You're going to have a ton of good basketball down the stretch here before we get into the postseason. Lastly, we're going back to college basketball. Little sandwich. If you thought the podcast is a sandwich, if the podcast was a sandwich, would you eat it? I try to do like a Harry Carey. Like if the moon was made of cheese, would you eat it? That's kind of what I'm talking about here. Like the bread is your college basketball. The meat was Giannis. So yeah, this this back to college basketball. We're talking Marquette. Marquette should have won today. Marquette absolutely should have won. They went on a 20 to 10 run and they were in control, final four minutes, and then they forgot how to shoot the basketball. It was literally like I was watching the Bucks game all over again. That what happened to the Bucs as well. Like I saw this with the Bucs on Thursday, where all of a sudden, final five minutes, they couldn't fucking shoot to save their soul. And there was this whole thing about that. And 
it, it just blew my mind. Like, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe I am watching this game again. Like, I cannot believe that Marquette could not make a big shot and they were turning the ball over, they were sloppy. It's just a lot there. Um, and it was, I, I kind of expected a little bit more. I'm not going to lie to you. I think, like, we're past, like, well, this is a young team. Which is ironic because given what I'm gonna, we're going to talk about here in a second, you're going to be like, well, you're a fucking hypocrite. Fine. But seriously, like, I, they just, they needed to be better in those situations. And it seems like Marquette still is a little tight. Like, it's still, they're a little wound up in those moments. And they just have to get better. Like, you look at that Providence game, you look at this game, I would not throw Butler in there. They just got beat. But you could easily have two more wins on the season and two really good wins at Providence and at Creighton. And it, it just came down to execution. And Marquette did not execute in either of those games. And now they've lost four of their last six. Some are saying this could be another free fall. Marquette is known for it. They have really went through it in terms of falling apart down the stretch. It's been ugly. It's not been fun for, for the Golden Eagles. If you look at it, the last few years, so in 21, so last year when Steve Wojciechowski got the axe, actually Marquette finished strong, coincidentally enough. That was the last time where we really saw a strong finish for Marquette. They ended up winning four of their last five games before bowing out in the Big East Conference. But in 2020, before we had the pandemic, Marquette ended up losing Six of their last seven games to finish off the year. They would have been on the very big bubble had we had an NCAA tournament. Then in 2019, that team, very good, but they finished the year losing four straight games. They only lose, They also win one Big East tournament game, then lose again. So that was five of six and then get blown out by Murray State and John Morant. So finished the year losing six of their last seven. The year before that in 2018, a little bit better. There wasn't really a collapse per se. Um, and actually Marquette finished all right and then loses in, in the NIT. But because they were bad kind of during the year, it wasn't really that great of a season. So we'll see if Marquette will sort of pick it back up or if they will free fall again. I don't think it's the same as years past. I had a working theory that Steve Wojciechowski worked the guys too hard. That Steve Wojciechowski took everything way too seriously and he pushed these guys to the limit and that's what kind of caused this burnout. I have no facts to back this up. I have no sources, nothing like that. It's just my own personal theory watching the teams. They just look tired. Now this Marquette team looks tired too, but I don't think it's because of Shaka. I think it's because they're young. And so you're like, okay, here goes the hypocrite. Because you just said, well, young's not an excuse for execution. True, but I think young's an excuse when it comes to the long season. The Big East is a fucking grind. The reason why Providence keeps pulling games out of their fucking ass is because they're one of the oldest teams, not only in the Big East, but in basketball. And so that's why Providence is awesome in terms of late game situations. It's annoying as fuck. It's a reason to fade them in the in the NCAA tournament. But right now, that's why Providence is finishing games so much better than any than really any other team in, in college basketball. And also, I think that's why you're seeing some of the struggles with like Auburn on the road, right? A little bit different, but Auburn 
has some young guys. They have some experienced dudes too, but it's not necessarily, you know, easy on these sort of younger teams late in the season. Marquette getting a week off before National Marquette Day is a godsend for them. They desperately needed that. They need to kind of recoup. They need to recover. They need to sort of just take a deep breath and say, all right, let's get back to what we were. Crowd will be in a frenzy on National Marquette Day. It'll probably be one of the more anticipated National Marquette Days in some time. It'll be loud. It'll be rowdy. And then they have DePaul and St. John's to finish off. Now, DePaul's been frisky. DePaul's been giving teams a lot recently. Um, you know that, And so Marquette will have to avoid trying to lose to DePaul, which has been a thing they've done on the road. And so hopefully they can avoid that. Hopefully... They can kind of keep their head, and this is sort of a wake-up call for them. And the last time they lost to Creighton, remember, they started railing off back-to-back wins, and they got hot. And so you hope maybe this is the start of it again because of the break, because Marquette's able to sort of say, all right, let's finish this thing on a high note. Then you go St. John's at home. I think they should win all three games. I don't think there is a world where I expect Marquette to be one and two. Um, could they lose to the Paul or could they lose to St. John's? Sure. It's, it's possible, right? St. John's to me is a very unpredictable team. I think St. John's can beat anybody and they can lose to anybody in the same breath. So then you have the Big East tournament and we'll see where what happens there. I don't think Marquette has anything to worry about bubble-wise. I mean, I guess if you were to lose to Butler again, you're losing St. John's, you're losing to Paul. Yeah, you probably are a team that's trending down i think the committee would prefer to take teams that are sort of trending up but right now marquette has a ton of quad one wins they have a ton of good good resume builders they don't have a lot of blemishes butler is a blemish and if you lose to DePaul, that's a blemish but i don't think marquette's going to get punished for losing to providence by a couple points losing to creighton by a couple points i think if anything it just frustrates you as a basketball fan and you just wish there was a little bit more from the Golden Eagles and that they were able to take it home. But yeah, you get a break now and I think that's going to be really good for them and I expect them to bring a ton of energy and a ton of fight against Butler. Again, it's it's a game where Marquette should be feeling really good because of the crowd and they're going to feed off that. But I do wonder, you know, is there a certain point, and we can maybe talk about this later later in the week, where it's it levels up, where you're like, okay, not only did they win this game because of the crowd, but also they looked really good doing it. Maybe they hold Butler to 50 points or something like that. We'll keep that in our back pocket, maybe talk about that on the weekend preview on Friday. Let's do Golden Kegs really quick. If you're unfamiliar with Golden Kegs, you're new to the show, we hand out the top awards for the top players. And it's all golden kegs. And the golden kegs are a symbol of Milwaukee. Uh, it used to be part of a trophy for club football between UWM and Marquette. So that's how we do it. Three kegs means you're great. Two, pretty good. One keg deserves a nod. Three kegs, Daryl Marcel. Daryl Marcel was incredible in this game. He struggled at the very, very end. But man, Daryl Marcel had himself a night. Um, I love watching Daryl Marcel play. I texted some friends today. I was like, I would love Daryl Marcel in the box. Like if Daryl Marcel is an undrafted guy for the box, that's exactly the kind of guy I want. Like 
I was, I think, I don't know if I said it on the podcast. I definitely said it to some buddies too. But like Georges Niang, right, of Philly. Like Niang's the type of guy that I knew in college he was going to be a good pro. And I was just like, this guy, this guy has it. Like he has what it takes to be a pro. I don't care size. I don't give a shit. Like he's just a pro. Darren Morsell is a pro. Daryl Morsell is going to play in the NBA. He'll be a 3 and D guy for his fucking career. Like he's gonna he's gonna thrive. He might get drafted if he had, they have a good finish. If they have a good finish, maybe Morsell is a guy that gets drafted in the late second round. I think that's definitely on the table. But yeah, I love Morsell's game. I loved how he played until like the final five minutes. And then it kind of fell apart for him. That happens. I think sometimes he doesn't want to be the guy like no i shouldn't say that that's not how i want to say it but like he doesn't like i think it's he struggles to be all him like it's better when it's like morsell and justin lewis or marcel and cam jones he had the kirkweth going a little bit i think they might they should have done a little bit more with that the last play of the game where he turns it over really pissed me off because I don't necessarily put that all on Marcel. While he's a good ball handler, I would have had Tyler Kolick, you know, guide that. I would have had I know Kolick didn't play a ton in this one, but I would have I would have done something a little bit differently there. I didn't agree with that from Shaka. I would have also maybe used my other timeout and and kind of had seen you know you see the defense you're like all right let's just reset at half court you know get a play in it was just a mess and so i I don't think it's all on marcel on that one uh he needed some help two kegs cam jones cam jones man is going to be a star like john rostein i think said cam jones buy stock now he's right like buy stock and cam jones cam jones is going to be an absolute stud for marquette 18 points in this one he was lethal again from three the guy has fucking range you saw steph curry do that in the all-star game like that's the range that cam maybe not that far but cam jones man is an assassin and i love watching him play Right now, to me, he's my favorite guy. When he gets hot, there's nothing better. And you want those guys in March. Those are the type of guys that can swing games. That all of a sudden, Cam Jones goes on fire and Marquette's suddenly up 12 in the second half against the team they're not supposed to beat. It's just how it goes. You see it all the time. So yeah, I I really like Cam Jones. I think he's brought a lot to what Marquette's, Marquette does and has been one of the bright spots during this tough stretch for them. Kirkweth, I thought, played really well. Um, I was really critical of Kirkweth uh, two, a week ago. I thought 2K was terrible. He had 13 trillion against Butler. And then he had a, he put in a nice effort against Georgetown. And then he followed up with a good game in this one. I mean, he had, I think he had 10 points, 7 rebounds. So a pretty, pretty solid night. Five offensive boards. Marquette has not really been an offensive rebounding juggernaut. They've struggled with that. Has not been there their bright spot this season. So Kerr getting five offensive rebounds is pretty good. I I, I do really like that out of him. I say a seven total, 10 and seven for him. Uh, so nice to see that. Um, I, I still get a little weary every now and again watching 2K play, but played well today. And that's definitely worth a keg. So yes, our golden kegs, Marcel, Cam Jones, and Kirkwath. So congrats to those dudes. And let's bring back Chuck's Corner. So this is a long podcast, I will admit. Uh, I apologize for that. I apologize. I try to keep these like at 40. I'm not going to do too long. Too long. I'll do like five minutes because I'm already at the 40-minute mark. I like to keep these around 40. 
But what Chuck's Corner is, is basically time for me to just talk to you guys. Just hang out. Like, not talk about sports. Not talk about, you know, there'll be some stuff that might be sports adjacent, might sort of be, you know, that I, I just don't necessarily find in that local sphere. So if you're just all sports all the time, like, yeah, you can turn this stuff off. But if you want to just kind of hang out and be a part of it, this is kind of that time. And this is my sort of time to connect with y'all on, on different stuff. And I'm totally open to topics. If you guys are like, hey, tell us what TV you're watching. Or, hey, talk to me about your fate, what you're listening to music-wise. Or give me a good story from college. I don't know. Whatever. I, we, we can think about it. We can, uh, we can spend some tales uh, so just let me know what, what you're interested in as I try to figure this out and try to de-sportsify one part of the show at least. I was out on Saturday night, went out with my guy Fant, was out with Murph for a little bit. Uh, we were at Deer Camp, which is right, it, well it used to be Brass Alley and I forget what it used to be after, before Brass Alley. Uh, but now owned by the folks at camp who I feel like have, what, like six locations now? It's crazy. Uh, they've done very well for themselves. So they were all decked out for St. Patrick's Day. I think they're they're calling it Lucky Camp. Uh, there was just all sorts of Irish stuff. So if you're really into that, uh, that is definitely a spot for you to check out. I know the shuffle's coming up in two weeks. We'll, have sh- we'll probably have Shay Ken on the show. I gotta organize that, but he'll he'll come join us for at least an episode, and we'll talk about it. And anyways, so we're sitting down at the bar. Um, Murph had left at this time, and. There's this guy next to us who's just ranting and raving about how Wisconsin doesn't make old fashions right. And he tells multiple times that he went to Louisville or he lived in Louisville for six years. Wanted to make that known. He's like, I know bourbon because I lived in Louisville. Like some fucking checkbox. Like check in the fucking box that you you know bourbon because you're like in Kentucky. Like congratulations, dude. Like I it, should I know pilsners because i live in fucking milwaukee like what so anyways he's like well this is not how you're doing old-fashioned they add soda water to it dude no one gives a fuck and like so this guy comes up and he and he he's done this like multiple times it's like i get it like you you've made your point like i understand that this is not how a true quote-unquote old-fashioned is done but literally every place in wisconsin does it this way there are some places in Wisconsin that probably won't even do it with bourbon. That it's just brandy and that's it. And if you want it bourbon, you can go fuck yourself, okay? So this guy says it again to a guy who just ordered an old-fashioned. He's wearing a blues hoodie, uh, so probably not from Wisconsin, just to assume. And he's like, well, you got to be careful. Like, it's not a real old-fashioned. And I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, I was like, Who cares? Just let the guy enjoy his old fashioned. It's part of Wisconsin. Let just don't fuck with our traditions. Of course, he's from Minnesota. I shouldn't be. We shouldn't be surprised at that fact either. It was just so infuriating to listen to this guy rant and rave and shit on something that we do well here. And just because it's done differently in other states doesn't mean you have a right to basically have this conversation with a bartender who's certainly not going to fuck you, by the way. By the way, you're just trying to impress her with your bourbon skills by saying like, oh, this is done the wrong way. Like, get out of here, dude. Like, that that's such garbage. I don't know. I just, sometimes I have a low tolerance for people who just talk stupid in public. I really do. Probably should keep my mouth shut in those situations. Like, I probably just should not say anything. 
But I can't help myself. I, I, I just can't. Like, I, the, the extrovert in me needs to be like, all right, we get it. Like, I wanted to pound him through the table. Like, I, I really did. Because it, I didn't. I didn't start a fight. I just, just like, dude, like, I, I understand your point. We don't do old fashions the way they do it in fucking Kentucky. I'm sorry. We add soda water. Big fucking deal. And guess what? It kind of tastes fucking good. All right? That's why we add it. All right? Yeah. Manhattan's, sure. That has no that is no soda water. You want a fucking, you don't want soda water in your old fashioned, order a fucking Manhattan. Yeah, my guy. <sighs> just frustrated. I'll tell you. It just gets on my nerves. I was going to also talk about the Saudi League. I realize that's not really a... That's still sports, but I think the Saudi League stuff's hilarious. Phil Mickelson, I've been such a Phil hater for my entire life. Really, my father's doing. Uh, he's been a Phil Mickelson hater for as long as I've been alive. I uh, really thinks he's a country club brick. Uh, you know, he, Fig Jam Phil, you know, fuck, I'm good. Just ask me if you wanted to know what Fig Jam stood for. That's basically Phil Mickelson. We've always been on that corner, my dad and I. My dad's been on that corner more than I have, but I really was not someone who celebrated a lot of the accomplishments Phil had. To see him just have this complete heel turn for the rest of golf is fucking hilarious. It basically justifies every one of my dad's takes for the last, I don't know, over 10 years. The guy completely nailed Phil, Phil Mickelson, which I have to give him credit. I have to give him credit that he saw this all the way through. And it's hilarious that this league, while it was talked about, while it was hyped about, they came at it at such the wrong way. They really should have, A, tried to say, all right, we're going to work with the PGA. We're not going to compete with the PGA. We're going to work with the PGA, just like the European Tour works with the PGA, just like the Asian Tour works with the PGA. And Mickelson's just cannot admit that he's not, he's a Champions Tour player. Yeah, he won a PGA. Good for fucking him. He had an out-of-body experience. Phil Mickelson was, I think, a 125-1 to 1 favorite. That will that happens every now and again. Golf's a crazy game. And with the power of just everybody extending their careers, there's opportunities for shit like this to happen. There's a fucking French driver who won the 95 Indy 500 that raced in Daytona today. He's like 50. All right? Like... It, Phil just has to face facts that he's just not the player that he used to be. And he, yeah, he's mad at golf, whatever, dude. I don't know. He just comes off like a privileged prick. And it's everything my dad and I had talked about for years. So that's Chuck's Corner. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, we're going to try to do that every show. Um, so that's going to kind of be an every show segment uh, just at the end. Um, it will extend our podcast, which... I know some people give me guff when it's like, oh, it's we're in like the 46, 47 minute mark. And is, what's the difference between this and tabbing the keg? And originally, Daily Taps were only supposed to be 20 minutes. So maybe we have to call it something different. I don't know. But we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk a lot of Packer stuff, I think, is on the table. I think Devondre Campbell, Aaron Rodgers, uh, maybe the, the franchise tag. We'll do... We'll do a lot on that. Um, we'll see if there's any fallout from the Mich- Michigan, uh, Wisconsin stuff we talked about earlier in the show and anything else. We'll see what happens uh, and we'll see where Chuck's Corner takes us on Tuesday as well. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. Bye.